the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Larry Weedy Kind. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to KPRC AM 950, Real Texas, Real Talk. This is Larry Wittekind, your host today. Uh, I am the founder and CEO of Matthews Hope Foundation. And as I think all of you probably know at this point, Matthews Hope Foundation is involved. Its, it's divine mission is to help people who are, are deep, deeply in an addiction of many, many different kinds, many different substances, helping them recover through a drug-free care model. That is abstinence-based drug-free care model. And uh, Matthew's Hope uh, has pioneered three parts of this model. Uh, the first part is what we call microcurrent neurofeedback or IASIS technology. It's amazing. It helps clear the brain. It actually gets rid of beta amyloid plaques. Uh, it helps people learn how to think and focus clearly despite their addiction. It actually helps heal the brain. It's amazing. And it's painless. It is absolutely safe, has been used for over 10 years, uh, is being studied by the Veterans Administration, University of California, University of Texas, many other academic institutions around the world. It is now being used by over 300 licensed clinicians throughout the U.S. Uh, and it is an amazing technology that we employ at Matthews Hope Foundation to help those recover and attain long-term sobriety. Without relapse, this technology is amazing in that it actually helps people uh, uh, lead sober and fulfilling lives again. We believe that being sober should also uh, uh, include happiness and joy, uh, drug-free. And so that's, that's, that's the first part of a care model. The second part of a care model is really just everything that the industry currently does. But now we're counseling and giving therapy to non-diseased brains, the brains that can actually think clearly because of our first uh, modality, our first technology. This technology, I, I, I cannot emphasize enough how meaningful and how effective it is, uh, especially if you have a loved one who is addicted to alcohol or a substance. It, it is amazing. It actually relieves pain. It actually relieves cravings. And this occurs even on the first session. Uh, but enough, enough promo of all this. I really want to introduce my two guests. You might remember that last week we had Jeannie Mansell on board. And by the way, you know, I neglected to say what, our, what the third part of our care model is. And uh, most of you probably know this. It's the recovery support team that stays with our client to help them stay sober for two years after discharge from our detox program at St. Joseph Medical Center. So that detox program is key to getting people detoxed and getting them on the road to recovery, real recovery, without drugs. It's exciting, folks. But now today we have Jeannie Manzel with us. Jeannie, say hi. Hi, everyone. You might remember Jeannie was with us last week, and she talked about that road to recovery that she took with her son, Justin. And it was a long road, but it was a successful road. 
And, and guess what? Yeah. This is amazing. But Justin, say hi. Justin is with us today. Hello, everyone. So, so Justin Goss, he is, uh, her, I think, Jeannie's middle son, correct, Jeannie? That, that's correct, he is. Yeah, she has uh, three, three sons. And, uh, or, I'm sorry, two sons and a daughter, Jeannie? That, that's right. <laughs> sorry. Two sons sorry. and a daughter. Two yeah. sons and a daughter. Yeah, I, finally, I finally got that girl, Larry. we got to claim her. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, I understand she's doing pretty well, correct? She sure is. Yeah, is. yeah. So, But Justin, the middle child, uh, who's supposed to be easier than the first one, but maybe that's not true. Uh, yeah. Justin... <laughs> Justin took a very difficult road, <laughs> and, and uh, Justin is here to talk about this and to let you know what it's like to be the son of a mother who really cares but didn't know what to do half the time, right? And uh, I'd like so for them true. just to, yeah, thank you. And I would like for them just to take over this show and have a meaningful dialogue about what it was like to recover together. Because it is, you know, listen, addiction is a family disease. It's very tough on the entire family. The whole family gets involved. And all of you who are experiencing this, you know what I'm talking about. So today, guess what? We have mother and son talking about what they went through. I hope this helps everyone listening. So, so Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how old you are, where you're located now, what you're doing, a little bit about your family, and then we're going to really get into it. Okay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, thanks, for, thanks for having me on. Um, so yeah, my name is Justin. I am, uh, 38 years old. Um, I live in Costa Mesa, California, which is, uh, close to Newport beach, about 45 minutes from LA. If you're, if you're unfamiliar with California, um, I have a beautiful wife and a two-year-old daughter named Evelyn, who will be three on the 26th of this month. Um, I, I I do, I do work in recovery. Um, you know, I, 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 whenever I, whenever I got sober, I I wanted to stay close to the industry. Um, and I wanted to be involved. Um, and I also wanted to, to help families, you know, um, as I had been helped, um, you know, uh, five years ago. And so, um, I, I, I oversee, uh, admissions for an adolescent treatment facility. Um, I oversee the admissions on our, on our at our East Coast uh, locations. So, um, yeah, that's so you're that's, you're you're very involved on a day to day basis uh, in, very, in very involved yeah. detox admissions. I mean, so and and so, how many detox admissions, Justin, did you go through personally? Oh man, I'd have to count them all up. <laughs> I went through quite a few. You know, I, I went through, um, I believe, a total of. Seven, seven. Um, wow. Spread out over, you know, this was spread out over a, a five to six year period. You know, I, I, I yes, tried to, of course. Uh, you know, I, I say I tried. Um, my mother uh, got me into a lot of um, treatment facilities. Uh, you know, the first one, um, I think, when I was twenty one, and I had actually asked for help uh, on that one. Ah, uh, yes. She got me yeah. into, to, yeah. to a place in San Antonio. That's kind of when the light clicked. Uh, yes, bit. when you went to San Antonio. Justin, uh, uh, we're, we're going to be right back. We have a little commercial break. Don't go away. Uh, y'all, we'll be right back with the real story. Thank you for listening.
This is Larry Wittekon, your host, Matthew's Hope Foundation, and we're here with Jeannie Mansell and Justin Goss, mother and son, talking about their road to recovery together. And and uh, Justin was just talking about his first rehab experience in San Antonio. Uh, you're listening to Matthew's Hope Foundation sponsoring Relevant Recovery Radio. And uh, this is all about instilling hope into families that are struggling with addiction. There is hope. There is the other side. And we're going to tell you about a mother and son's experience in getting to the other side, the, the bright side, right? <laughs> getting out of the dark yes. side. So yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so, Justin, tell us about that first rehab experience and, and kind of how you got there and your mom's role in, in doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, you know, I, I vividly remember um, – I don't know whether it was whether it was me or God or, or what, um, but I did know that I was out of control at the time and I needed help, um, and that was really the first time uh, I had asked for help, and that kind of triggered a long road of of you know treatment facilities, detoxes, relapses. Um, and and what and Justin, first, what led what led you to that point? T- tell us about a little bit of the history. Uh, how old you were um, when you when you when you first uh, started using and all those things? Oh man, yeah, I was. Uh, you know, I started using young. Um, you know, uh, we were uh, pretty much. You know, growing up, we were latchkey kids. You know, we we just kind of went in and out of the house. You know, as we as as we pleased. You know, right. no offense, mom, but with, without a lot of parental um, oversight, and so right. we were able to. Um, get away with a lot of things um, that, that most people wouldn't be able to, to, to get away with most kids. Um, but I started using, you know, when I was, I think 13, what 13 or 14 was 13, the first 14. time I tried uh, marijuana and okay. that okay. progressed into cocaine. And then mm-hmm. that progressed in, you know, and sure. alcohol is obviously in there. Um, and then that progressed into pills. And I was, I was using quite frequently, um, cocaine, marijuana, alcohol, up until the age of about 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and 18 is when I really graduated. I really kind of graduated to pills and, and opiates. Now, now um, how, did you, how did you get away with that for four years? I mean, I, I think the parents need to kind of hear this from right, a guy yeah. that got away with it for a while. What, right. Yeah. How did you get yeah. away with all that? I mean, I had, you know, like I, I had kind of throughout the years, I had mastered the art of, um, you know, uh, of of presenting on the outside that I had it all together. But also, you know, at our house, we had there was a lot of, of chaos and not necessarily parental chaos, but we had a lot of kids from the neighborhood that our house was home based. And so that we were in and out all the time. There was a lot going on. Um, my mother, you know, she, she runs a nonprofit and she worked a lot. And, and so, you know, she was, um, she was around, um, but, yeah. but we were kind of left to, to do our own thing. Right. Um, right. And, 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 you know, a lot of it happened um, at night when I was staying over at friend's house or when I was, when mm. I was away, mm. you know, right, right, um, of course. Th- there are definitely were some instances where, you know, I came home uh, intoxicated and I don't. You know, I can't remember if it was just brushed off or brushed to the side. 
Um, or if that's something where that my mom, you know, said, oh, that's just natural. You know, he's a teenager. Um, you know, they're going to, you know, I went through that. I went through that myself with both of my sons where, you know, you're trying to, you, you, you don't believe they're doing anything except alcohol or maybe marijuana. I mean, I caught my son with marijuana on a little vacation we took to Austin with one of his friends and, you know, I made him smash his pipes and throw it away and, we went through a little ritual, and I, I um, took his car away. And I mean, I disciplined him, and I thought that that worked. I mean, you know, yeah. I, just, I feel so silly at this point. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. But I know, Jeannie, yeah. you probably went through the same yeah. thing, right? It's like Yeah, I was know. working a lot, you know, and I don't know if I just, in my my being, of, it's, I can't take much more. I, I have so much stress. I have so much going on that... It's like if I looked at it, if I faced it, if I sat down and did something about it. And a lot of times I did discipline the kids. I mean, Justin can't remember because maybe he was high. But I did discipline the kids. <laughs> I would ground them. You know, I right. would try. You know, yeah. and so, you know, they had a way that I ground them. They would go upstairs and climb out their back window. And then I'd have a yeah. police come knock on my door. And we're living in middle-class neighborhoods. We're not, you know, we're, we're living in a place that we had a nice place to live. The kids had all their needs met. But at the same time, I did know the police by name as they, you know, Justin would be caught on his bike, you know, somewhere he shouldn't have been. And at the same time, at 2 a.m. <laughs> he, he was a compliant <laughs> child. He was, ne- he was not rebellious, very compliant, very loving, very gentle, very tender. He was that child. He wasn't this rebellious, argumentative kid. And so, so he, he really had you fooled, Mom. I yeah, mean, yeah, he did. Justin, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, Justin, God, my hands go. I mean, hat goes off to you. You, you had her pretty no, fooled. No, he did. He did. <laughs> he, he, he really, really did. And, uh, yeah. And so when he did go to his first uh, inpatient, I do want to mention this because I know that it is something that happens often before people seek treatment. And I didn't know the extent. I kept thinking, I don't know if they'll take you, Justin. Do you think they'll take you when they take you into intake? Do you think it's serious enough they'll take you? And he just kept saying, oh, Mom, it's serious enough. You know, I still didn't want to even believe that he was going to be inpatient. So When I I first discovered that my son was was shooting up heroin, when I first discovered that, I I discovered it from the attorney I had hired because he had a DUI. And I said... You know, this these are trumped up charges. I mean, I don't know why that policeman hates my son so much. And he rolled right. his eyes. He rolled his eyes, and I, I caught it. And I said, Yeah. And so he yeah. proceeded to tell me that. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 As well, a parent, you just first, can't believe yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That first inpatient, though, he showed up at my door, not at my door, in the car that day, and I thought he was dead. I went out to check the paper, and he'd been sitting there. And, and so he was way high. So before you go into treatment, oftentimes people who are addicted will overdose. They will put too much in their system. They and, will. And, and the, so last, the last treatment. hurrah. Yeah. It's the last yeah. hurrah. First Matthew did experience. that to me. Matthew did that to me on the way to the yep. 30-day treatment center. On the way yep. to, oh, I, I mean, he died in the car. I had to pull over. I mean, he, he wanted to go to the bathroom and get a sandwich. So he, so we stopped at a little diner. And he went to the bathroom, got a sandwich, got in the car, and within five minutes was sound asleep, did not eat a sandwich. And then all of a sudden I noticed, he's, is he breathing? He's turning blue. Oh, I tried to slap him as I'm driving. That didn't work. 
So I pulled over real quick, jumped out, pulled him out of the car, started slapping him, trying to get him to wake up. Um, he he had died. I mean, he was just he was on the verge of death, and that wow. was on the way to rehabs. So parents, be aware. When you finally convince your son or daughter to go to rehab, man, don't stop anywhere. If you do, you go in with them and you watch them every second of the way. You take take that opportunity and and run with it, and and, and definitely, yeah, because that is that is the the mindset, uh, you know, of the addict is I'm going I'm I'm going into rehab where I'm not going to have any drugs available. I may as well have one last hurrah before I go, and then, um, but that can also be a very dangerous situation yes yeah. yeah and so goodness yeah thank god Jeannie, you were around at right at that well, moment. i was there but it was as if i were out of control watching him because he was so high and so drugged up i'd never even seen him like that it was like the first day i'm taking him he i'm seeing you're him seeing for, for the first time right yeah right, yeah, right, yeah right right cannot get him there soon enough so, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was so, so that was his first yeah. trip. I don't want to. Dustin, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No. I mean that that was my first trip. You know, I I, I was a month uh, inpatient. I remember. I think mom had to borrow some money to to pay for that inpatient stay. I did. Because um, okay. I was uh, I was not on any insurance, um, and so we had to cash pay for it. It was thirty days. Um, and actually after that inpatient stay, it was decided by my entire family and, and my entire family was supportive. You know, they came to visit me. My brother lived in San Antonio, so he brought me you know, cigarettes and, and oh, tobacco yeah. and, and yeah. things like that. Um, and, and, and then, you know, after, after I got out, it was decided that I would not go back home because my, my uh, family did not want me around the, the, the wow. people places in hey, listen, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so Justin, hold that thought. We've got a commercial sure. break. And let's get right back to it in just a minute. Y'all don't go away. A lot more to come. Thank you. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. This is Larry Wittekind, your host. Uh, We have Justin and Jeannie Manziel on with us, mother and son, talking about their road to recovery. Justin was just talking about his 30-day stay in San Antonio. So, Justin, how did that turn out for you? That, that first 30-day stay? Yeah. So, I mean, after the 30-day stay, it was decided I wouldn't go back home to College Station. You know, um, I would be sent up to, to where my grandmother lived in San Angelo to get me away from the people, places, and things. And I reluctantly agreed. You know, by that time, I'd had 30 days sober, and, and the fog was beginning to clear, you know, a little bit. Um, and then when I got out, it was suggested that I be put on uh, Suboxone, um, so, mm-hmm. so medically-assisted therapy, you know, start right. treatment, yeah. mat yes. treatment. Matt treatment. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I got put on Suboxone and, and, you know, within, and not to say that Suboxone can't be helpful while in a detox setting to help relieve the symptoms of, you know, um, of withdrawal. Um, but, you know, within a month of being put on Suboxone in a, in, in a home setting, I was, I was abusing it. Um, you know, it, I didn't, um, I, you know, I, I was mandated to go to, to AA by my family. Um, and I went just to appease them, but I didn't really go for the recovery that was there. I just kind of went because at, at my core, I'm a people pleaser and I want, you know, I, yeah, and yeah. I want to, um, well, your mom you had know. mentioned that before. I want to ask you a question. So do you think you would have had a better chance at sobriety and long-term recovery if they had not put you on Suboxone when you were in San Angelo? 
with your grandparents? You know, it's hard to say because I can't blame it all on the Suboxone because at that time, I don't think I was really ready. I don't think I was done. Um, and you know, like I, I, looking back, I don't, I, I just don't know, you know, I, and, yeah. it, and to all the parents out there, like it's, there is no perfect formula for recovery. Um, there just isn't, you know, it, recovery comes to us in, in different, different ways and in different forms. And, and, and there is no one perfect solution. You know, all we can do is kind of hedge our bets on the best you know, technology or, you know, uh, th- that's available. Um, but, but at the time going back to, to that, I, I just, I feel like I wasn't ready. And so whether I had the, the Suboxone available or not, if it was something else, I probably would have abused it or, yeah, you know, yeah, and that, that is I, the way it is for almost everyone. It seems, you know, yeah. the relapse rate right now is 94% in yeah. the first uh, 90 days. It's, yep. um, yeah, it, uh, it's amazing. Um, the relapse rate that we're currently experiencing in the first 100 days, our relapse rate is about uh, 38%, our relapse mm-hmm. rate. So we're doing a really good job at Matthew's Hope. But every time we have someone uh, relapse, you know, it hurts us. It's like it, because we know that, you know, that person has to come back to detox. We've got to basically start all over again. But the good news is we're really not starting all over again. Usually in a good recovery program, uh, that person does retain uh, part of what they've learned. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so, you know, the person can typically advance a little bit, which I'm sure Mm -hmm. you probably did, right? You you, and I mean, you relapsed six more times, it sounds like, Uh, but... But you eventually got it, and I'd like to kind of get into that uh, right now. So, so, sure. so you're in San An- San Angelo. How long were you there? And and of course, you know, it seems like everybody I know that goes on Suboxone, they relapse. They're they're looking for a real fix. So, the, right. so they right. they you know the Suboxone. We we find at Matthew's Hope that Suboxone is good for maybe three days of detox to you know, to relieve uh, withdrawal issue pains and things like that. But we get them off Suboxone real quick. And we, we, we yep. keep them on the uh, microcurrent neurofeedback. Um, uh, we, we keep doing that every day. And we get them deeper and deeper into Big Book, uh, you know, the 12-step program and Celebrate Recovery. We, if, if, they're, if they want, uh, we, try to, we try to spiritually connect every single client. Because we find that the spiritual connection is so important to long-term recovery, and um, and Justin, I don't know. I mean, was that important to your recovery? Absolutely, uh, it was. You know, it's the foundation of of the recovery, um, or uh, it was the foundation of my recovery. I yes, say, yes, um, yes. In in the rooms of um, AA, you know, I I went to I, you know, I would I would probably be more identify as like uh going to narcotics anonymous because my my drugs of choice were were mostly narcotics but i did find uh more of a solution in in the the rooms of alcohol alcoholics anonymous you know it's it's the same the same concept it's it's yeah it's the 12-step program whether it's the 12 regardless of the substance yeah 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 and and so Really, uh, the big book, the twelve-step, the AA uh, big book, as they call it, uh, is is an amazing resource for recovery. It is. 
And it is very spiritually based. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it is quite amazing. I have not had a personal addiction problem, but you know, after after Matthew's passing, I went ahead and started reading the big book, the AA book, mm-hmm. and I found it to be yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So many things are applicable to, to everyone. Yes. You know, so I want to go back to San Angelo because it's, it's so interesting as a mom. I'm thinking now he's with his grandmother. We got him registered in school. We're paying for him to go to school to get his degree. You know, he's on the Suboxone. He's going to the day treatment center. And so here we are going, this is it. It's always, this is this is the one. This is it. And then his grandmother decides, you know, he needs to get a job. He's just not working. He needs to work. That's what that's what the older generation thinks you need to work. And I'm thinking he just yep. needs to go in recovery. So mothers, you'll go back and forth with moms and dads on, do you need to work? Do you need to be in recovery? Where's your focus need to be? Well, they pushed and pushed and pushed for Justin to get a job. And so he gets a job at Pizza Hut. And they're all, the people who are hired there are all recovering from meth, from, they're getting methadone for heroin addiction. And Justin gets addicted to methadone. So the job he gets, you know, every time you look at something to be the answer for a person that is, addicted as Justin, it was the answer for relapse for him. And and we just talked about the formal times he went into treatment. Justin relapsed probably 10 or 14 times. And we said before in the earlier show, Larry, we didn't have IASIS then. But if we had IASIS then, I would have loved, I would have, I would have found you. I know that much because I was oh, looking yes, I'm sure. uh, I'm to sure. see if that treatment would have worked for Justin because everybody tries to get in the traditional. You can choose, you, you need to choose to be on the streets or choose to have a job. And Justin would never choose to be on the streets living out of a car, which is where he ended up. So mm-hmm. to go on with mm-hmm. that, that, that did not work being in his grandmother's except he stole from his grandmother. Yeah, and see, this is so, so typical. I mean, Justin, it, you know, it, the, what Jeannie just talked about, and you talked about, is so typical. It's what every it's what everybody goes through until, as you said earlier, they're at they're at the end of themselves, and it's now or never, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Now or That's never. That's so true. Yeah, it's now or never Please. that finally comes. And you know, if I can just say this as a parent, if you give up on your child. Now, I'm not saying don't set boundaries. You have to. You don't want to enable them. But there's fine lines there. It's very difficult yeah. to know <laughs> when you're enabling yeah. somebody and when, and when oh, you're just yeah. helping them. They really need the help, right? Oh, yeah. And right. Uh, because there's so much manipulation when right. you're an addict. You know, I mean, right. you just want your drug. And right. so, and you, you'll do anything to get it, and including stealing yeah. from your grandmother, right? Yeah. 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 Right. So, so, Justin. Let, let's let's get into what how did you and, and you know I, we know that you relapsed many times on your way mm-hmm. to full recovery and you're in full recovery now I mean you you're, you've been <laughs> sober for how many years now uh, I've got five years how, how many years Justin so I I have five years five um, years sober. five years five years on April 11th so oh congratulations wow thank you Congratulations. And are you part of an AA group or an NA group? I am. Very good. I am. Uh, They're in California? Yep, here in California. I have a home group. Uh, You know, I have a sponsor. Um, You know, COVID is complicated uh, going to meetings a little bit, but there are Zoom meetings, plenty of Zoom meetings available. And now that that things are starting to open up a bit, some more meetings have become. So how how important important is the sponsor? See, I I think parents don't realize 
how important having a sponsor is in addition to going to an AA home group, right? No, it, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's pivotal. You know, you have to have, because for an addict going into AA or NA or, or whatever 12 step based program that you go into, um, when you go, when an addict first goes in there, I mean, it, it does not click right away. You know, there's nothing about it that clicks right away. It seems corny and cheesy and, you, you know, <laughs> right. the first the first thoughts are, this is definitely not the program for me. So right. what a sponsor does is they introduce you to the program and explain the steps in detail to you and kind of serve as a mentor yes. um, and, and someone that you can kind of you know, just, just let loose with mm-hmm. and, 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 and be completely open and honest and, and that, get that. That's it is know. the, it's so important that the, the addict be honest with their sponsor. So the sponsor yep. can, yep. can help them. Uh, folks, we're going to be right back. Uh, please don't go away. Uh, Justin's going to tell you exactly how he found sobriety, long-term sobriety. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. This is Larry Whittycon, your host, representing Matthew's Hope Foundation. Uh, with us, I have Justin Goss and Jeannie Manzel. This is a mother and son who went through a long road to recovery together. And uh, Justin was just talking about how important it is to have a sponsor while you're going through the 12-step program. And just to, as an aside, you know, a formal detox and recovery program, uh, whether it be the St. Joseph uh, the, the program that Matthews Hope Foundation has at St. Joseph Medical Center, or whether it be a 30-day treatment program. These programs, they're, they're didactic. In other words, they teach the 12-step program, but it's not personal. It, it's, it's meant to be personal, but it only becomes really personal when you're with a sponsor and you're living day-to-day in your home or wherever you're living, right? That's when it becomes very personal. Justin, t- tell us about that personal journey, okay? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, like I, and I can say, and I can speak to the importance of having some type of detox program um, to get you far enough away from that last use, um, you know, for the fog to clear a little bit so that so that when, you know, a person does go into AA or does go into the meetings, that they're able to clearly hear what's being shared there. And they're able to to really, um, um, you know, understand um, what what a lot of the, the addicts and alcoholics are talking about, you know, in the rooms, um, because one of the one of the biggest things that somebody, you know, told me when I first went into the rooms is because when I first went in there, I was like, I am not like these people. I am not like these people. They, they know nothing about me. But what I was doing is, is I was focusing in on the differences and not focusing in on the similarities of the stories that they were sharing. Um, and my sponsor told me that. And he said, you need to sit down, shut up, listen to what's being said and then, and then try and relate your story with some of these. And I did, and it, and it really helped, and it really kind of opened my eyes. But um, going the sponsor was very of, important, wasn't Yeah, the sponsor was very important to oh, help yeah. help oh, yeah. you stay in AA. Yeah, I think your exactly. response is very typical, um, yep. yeah, to um, experiences my, that my, uh, my, my son had as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's it's you know um, a sponsor also serves as as somebody for you to see how the program has worked in their lives as well, 
Um, and when you can kind of see that on a very personal basis and, and really the sponsor and sponsee relationship, um, you know, it, it, it's one of those where the sponsor it is it needs to be just as honest with the sponsee about their story, what they went through as the sponsee is being with them to kind of develop that trust. But, you know, um, I don't think I would have stayed in the program if I didn't have someone there guiding me um, and telling me what to do. Because, uh, because you know, really what happens is obviously my decisions up until that point in my life had gotten me to where I was. And so what I needed to do was take the direction of someone who had been through it, um, take the guidance of someone who had been through it, and, and really put it to practice. Um, and that's what I did. You know, the, the last time that I was in detox, um, you know, I, I didn't choose to just go into AA freely, but I did, I did have what they call the gift of desperation. I was just so desperate and I was so tired. I was 33 years old. My life had gone nowhere. I was, I was relapsing. I had disappointed my family and it was starting to really, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't know whether it was God, uh, spiritual awakening. I don't know what it was, but I decided at that point to kind of put my life into the hands of, I was at a sober living at the time, and I put my life into the hands of the guys that were in that sober living, and they kind of showed me the way, and they they guided my feet. They kept me busy during the day. They took me to 90 meetings in 90 days. Um, they got me hooked up with a sponsor, and they really kind of showed me, showed me, you know, what it takes to be sober. And I saw it working in their lives as well, because they were all um, in the program. And so I think it, it's very important to emphasize the importance of that is, is by surrounding yourself with people who are also in the program. And that's what a sponsor can do. They can get you connected mm-hmm. and they can get you connected with, with other individuals. So yes, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Oh, that is so important. Yeah. 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 Our recovery support team at Matthews Hope Foundation does that. Yeah, I mean, yep. they, they make sure that our clients are with a sponsor, a sponsor that cares and that's going to hold them accountable. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then we provide nutritional support, fitness support, spiritual, spiritual connectivity as well, and helping people rediscover their creator and, and how much the creator loves them and cares for them. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's all a part of what we do. Um, and, that's, that's, that, and it's so much more effective because we have actually uh, helped the mind heal itself after, you know, a long period of, of addiction uh, to a substance. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these substances really uh, destroy your brain. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just every day yeah. uh, the brain is getting injured and re-injured and re-injured. And, uh, yep. yeah, so so we have to um, restore the brain. We have to help the brain mm-hmm. heal. Yeah. And so that's that's all a part of what we do. So, so Justin, you, um, y- so you found a sober home. With some mm-hmm. with some people, uh, uh, recovery coaches, I guess, in the sober home, and uh, these yeah. recovery coaches helped you uh, uh, helped you recover. Is, they is did. What I'm they did. I mean, they 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 saved my life, you know. And really, like I had relapsed three times in that sober home, so the the owner um, let me come back. I don't know why, but he let me come back for a third. Because for a third mother. Time. I'm sorry, because his mother begged the owner to Well, yeah. yeah. That's the reason for sure. <laughs> All right, Justin, give mom some credit here. <laughs> right, okay, okay. That, that's valid. That's valid. Yeah, yeah my mom was, was crying, begging him to let me to let me come back. And 
And he did. And he didn't have to take that chance on me, but he did. You know, because in a sober home and in that setting, if there's a if there's someone that's relapsing consistently, um, you know, the, the owner's got to look out for the other clients that are there. Yes, um, and, and, yes. And, yes. you know, I'm putting them at risk by, right, by right. doing that. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a very right. hard decision for the owner of a sober home. Very hard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, but you know, when, um, you, when you have a parent that cares as much as Janie did, that mm-hmm. that does make a difference, you know, and absolutely. And thank God he let you back. Thank God. That's because yep. yeah. here you are today, and now, you know, you're running. You're you're in charge of all the intake, uh, for the, yep. for these facilities. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's that's yep. really amazing. And you've got a three year old daughter. Wow, that's just that's priceless. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it's 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 a, um, you know, it's a life that. I never could have imagined. And they tell you that in AA, you know, this will lead you. This is the promises of AA. If you follow these steps and you take this direction, um, it can lead you to, to a life, you know, more than you ever knew that could be possible for yourself. And it, but it takes a lot of work, no doubt. It does. But, yes. um, you know, the, the road eventually, if you follow the direction of other people there, if you follow the direction um, of those that care about you and have a stake in your recovery, then, um, then it, then it can lead to, you know, a, a happy and fulfilling life. You know, life's not perfect. It's life. Um, but I have, I've learned different coping mechanisms to deal with it. We're not having to stick a needle in my arm is one of them. You know, I, I, oh. I, I lean heavily on, on the AA community, um, and my yes, friends and, yes, and, and yes. colleagues, you know? Yeah. And, and if I can just speak a word to all the parents out here, out there listening to this, this show, uh, you know, the AA uh, 12-step method uh, and the accountability of a sponsor and uh, residential treatment centers along the way and sober homes along the way, all of this was instrumental to Justin, you know, finding his real sober self again and and, and the recovery. But, you know, let's not forget the role that that parents have. If Jeannie Mm -hmm. had not stuck with Justin and paid for these programs and stuck with him and gotten him enrolled in these programs, even after relapse and, and so forth. If she had not done that, then where would Justin be today, right? So to all of you parents out there, it's it's worth it to keep trying. Yes, it's please, worth don't, it to keep please trying. don't ever give up. Yeah, yeah don't ever don't give, give up. up. Because, yeah, because you, 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 people can see the future if you just don't give up and yes, that light comes. That's right. That light will come. Yes, that light will come. Yes. That that's mm-hmm. that's the hope that Matthew's hope is giving giving everyone who will listen. Y'all, you know, thank you yep. so much for being with me today. This has been very, very helpful. I hope that our listeners uh, I hope that uh, this brings you hope. And take care, we'll see you next week. <laughs>